Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. It has been a long time, but I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, finally back here on the Mr. Benfica podcast, and it's about time to start a brand new season. That's right, we are on the eve of a brand new season, 2021-2022 starts in a matter of hours from now in Moscow, Benfica uh, ready to take on Spartak and former manager Rui Vitoria in this preliminary match for the for qualification to the UEFA Champions League. We are in the third qualifying round looking to qualify for the playoff. And we already know that should we win this tie with Spartak Moscow, we will take on the winner of PSV Eindhoven. And Michelin, and we know already because the match was played today, the first leg went to PSV Eindhoven, 3-0 at home against the Danish side Michelin, which means that uh, it looks like it most likely would be PSV if we get through this round. Uh, There's a lot of excitement starting to come around the team, but it has been a crazy, crazy offseason, to say the least. Um... You, like I said, you haven't heard from me for about two months, and that's, of course, because I was on international duty. That's right, covering the Euro 2020 each and every night on the PTB Media Network, part of the Park in the Bus podcast, and I want to thank everybody that tuned in nightly or tuned in once or twice, that tuned in at all, whether you watched it on video on on Periscope 
or or on YouTube, wherever you watched it, if you were one of the the many that did tune in, we we did some real good numbers in terms of the live stream, especially on Periscope. Um, but also for those of you that downloaded it in the podcast form. Uh, here on the Mr. Benfica feed, a big, big thank you to everyone for all of that support. It was an absolute blast, and it was really um, not to not to overblow, but it was really in a way a dream come true to talk football every single night to talk about the matches. And I have to extend a big, big thank you to the folks over at Better Than Dot Vegas for for sending me some talent to to come on the podcast with me and to discuss the matches uh, as they happened. It was really exciting, and I couldn't have done it without those guys, so it's a big thank you to everybody. But now it's time for the new season. It's time for Mr. Benfica to be back, and tonight's episode actually is going to serve as the season finale of Season 3. That's because when you hear from me again later this week and I recap this match with Spartak Moscow, it will be the season premiere of season four. That's right, already season four. But tonight, it's episode 116, the finale of season number three. And we're going to recap the off season tonight, okay? Uh, spend some time on that. So much to talk about, obviously. Um, where to begin? That is the question, is where to begin. Uh, we're going to stick to football for the most part tonight. Although we do have one of our athletes going for gold right now. In in uh, Tokyo, so shout out to Pedro Pichardo, who is going for gold in the men's triple jump. And um, by the time you hear this, the event will probably have already taken place. But I want to extend a huge, huge, congrats, um, a huge, huge vote of confidence and a good luck wishes to Pedro Pichardo, uh, Portuguese Triple jumper representing Portugal, representing Benfica as well at the Olympic Games. Also, big shout-out and congratulations to Benfica product Namias Kita. The seven-footer was drafted by the Sacramento Kings of the NBA. He's the first Portuguese basketball player to be drafted in the NBA. A huge, huge accomplishment. Uh, only one can be first, and he is the first. Yes, he is a big seven-footer. I can't wait to watch his career unfold. So, so exciting that Benfica specifically has been able to to de- help develop the player that went on to be Portugal's first draft pick, drafted in the second round by the Sacramento Kings, as we said, and he takes his game now to Sacramento and represents us all in the NBA. Thank you, and also best wishes to Namias Keita, and we are all behind you, of course. Now, uh, we're going to take a quick, quick break. When we come back, we're going to start talking about the crazies, we're going to talk about uh, everything that went down in this off season, and then we'll talk about the preseason after that. But of course, we got to start this one off with what else but Reconquista. So on the other side of Reconquista, I will be back, and we'll start talking about the off season that was, the changes, the obviously the the big elephant in the room. I'm going to address it. When we come back, this is Mr. Benfica, episode 116. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Follow me now on my personal Twitter feed, all right? On my personal Twitter handle, that's at Mike Agustinu. So at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. 
All right, the Mr. Benfica Twitter will be a show Twitter, so it's going to be used mostly just for posting episodes and posting uh, video. But the the Twitter handle to to interact with me is going to be at Mike Agustinu. Okay, so that's at M I K E. A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. So hit me up there, and um, I'll be right back as we get ready to talk about the summer of 2021 and what went down at Sparta Lisboa Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 116 and here's a little update on Pedro Pichardo um, I looked it up there during the break and after qualifying Pedro Pichardo of Portugal, of course, and of Sport Lisboa. E Benfica is in first place in the Olympic men's triple jump right now. The finals are scheduled for Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Japanese Standard Time, Tokyo time, which is about 10 p.m. my time here on the east coast of the United States tomorrow night. And that makes it a 3 a.m. Lisbon Standard Time. Uh, that is when... Pedro Pichardo will take to the runway one more time. He has five additional jumps as uh, the 12 men that have qualified for the final. He leads the field right now on a jump of 17 meters, 71. It is his best jump of the season. And he leads Turkey's uh, Nekati Ur by about 60, by 58 centimeters to be exact. And it will, uh, like I said, he will take to the runway Thursday morning in in Tokyo, 9 a.m. Lo- local time in Tokyo. And he is very, very close to a medal and certainly very close 
possibly to being Portugal's first gold medal of these games. And again, Mr. Benfica 100% in the corner of Pedro Pichardo. And yes, he is Portuguese. I don't want to, I'm not going to call him the Cuban Portuguese triple jumper. He is the Portuguese triple jumper. Okay, just like anyone else. He's a, he is a citizen like every other Portuguese athlete at the games. And he holds the best chance right now for gold. Um, also, another update from the Olympic Games. Of course, Portugal's handball team failed to perform, to be quite honest, losing to Japan in their final group stage match, which uh, a victory would have put them into the quarterfinals and put them one win from the medal round. But unfortunately, as was the case in this Olympic Games, they went one win, four defeats, not good enough. Uh, four out of five teams in the pool would have advanced to the quarterfinals. Portugal unable to get that important fourth place to keep themselves alive. That is very disappointing for a team that, to get into this tournament, beat uh, France, who who ended up winning the pool or was near the top. Um, so that that's your Olympic update, if you will. Also, Fernando Pimenta winning uh, winning bronze today, I believe it was. Perhaps it was yet. Uh, perhaps it was yesterday. He wins bronze for Portugal in 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 rowing, and now Portugal with three medals at this point: two bronze and a silver. The silver belongs to Sporting's uh, female triple jumper Patricia Mamona. Bronze for George Andrade. Uh, sorry for yes, George uh, Andrade is his name, I believe. Um, the the judoka from also from Sporting, and then Fernando Pimenta in rowing has the the sorry it's Jorge Jorge perhaps uh, I I totally apologize the man's name is escaping me at the moment but uh, three medals for Portugal let's move on now to Benfica into this off season and well the Olympic Games are part of this off season as they are ongoing as we talk but of course the major story of the off season is without a doubt the now former that's right, former president Luis Felipe Vieira, LFV, no longer the president. Regardless of how you feel about Rui Costa taking over, okay, um, uh, at this point, I think most people, I have seen the tweets out there that are, are absolutely absurd. And the amount of people saying that he is the greatest president of all time, talking, of course, about Luis Felipe Vieira. You all know how I feel about him. I got more and more vocal in opposition of him. But I do have to say, I'm not happy about this. I'm humiliated, to be honest with you. Um, I am humiliated that our president left the club not just in shame, but in handcuffs. He left the club in handcuffs, let it set in. I was not surprised. I mean, I saw this day coming. I was hoping he would no longer be president by then. I was hoping that, you know, the powers that be in the club would have listened to the sausage, would have, would have, would have granted the General Assembly that was being requested that the signatures existed for. There were plenty of signatures for the General Assembly to, to be had. But the president of the General Assembly would not go through with it, apparently. Um, I, I apologize if I'm being inaccurate here. I'm, tr I'm, I'm playing off of memory. But there would be no General Assembly. And they suggested that anyone that, that wants to make a statement to protest by email, which is ridiculous. Um, that's absolutely absurd. That is not how you 
you do anything. So just to to uh, bring you up to date, then okay, it starts on June the tenth. Vieta was the t- this is courtesy of his Wikipedia page, by the way. Um, on June the tenth. 2021, Vieta was the target of a civil lawsuit by lawyer and Befica member George Matamuruš, who is turning into quite the he- the hero in this situation, with the goal of removing Vieta as uh, president for violation of the club statutes. And I've said that before. He absolutely took a piss on the club statutes, um, some more important than others. But anyway... Um, Vieta was accused of using Benfica for personal gain. Very, very serious. And I said this. Borrowing money against Benfica's uh, value, against Benfica's collateral, and using it for his own failing private businesses. This man had no business being in the presidency. He should have been removed as soon as all of this information was known. We already knew that he was that he was doing this. Okay, um, He was questioned you know, last spring. And the club was was always the subject of searches and you know the bushkas, and you know you notice that that club up north has been also silent about this. Jota Marx, who opens his mouth about everything, has had nothing to say about LFV. Ironically, you think maybe they're in business together. You think maybe there's just as much dirt on their guy. I think there is. And I'm hopeful that it's only a matter of time before that gets un- uh, um, uncovered. But, of course, uh, focusing on our club, okay, um, again, Matamurush going after Vieta for violation of statutes. Vieta accused of using Befica for personal gain. Matamurush promised to remove the lawsuit if Vieta would resign. Vieta did not resign, obviously, as you know. Um, not at that point, anyway. And on the 7th July, Vieta and José Antonio dos Santos were arrested on suspicions of a breach of trust against Benfica. Aggravated fraud. So here's all his, tra- here's all his uh, charges coming his way. Okay, he was, or all of his suspicions, I should say. But he was arrested, so there has to be charges. Um... Breach of trust against Befica, aggravated fraud, tax evasion, forgery, and money laundering. He stole from the government. That That is rule number one. Come on now. You know that's the only time they care is when you take from them in these cases. And um, really, really sloppy. And it's an embarrassment to, to the club. It's an embarrassment to all of us. But I am glad that justice appears to be served. I am relieved that there is actually a justice system in Portugal and that they did get him. Um, among the accusations, again, reading from Vieta's Wikipedia page, and the citations are there on the page if you want to know where the, what the sources of these claims are. Um, all of these claims here are cited on his Wikipedia page. Um, I should say all the sources are cited. Among the accusations, Vieta and Santos are indicted for making a promissory contract without no, notifying the Portuguese Securities Market Commission to sell 25% of Benfica Saad to American uh, businessman John Texter for 50 million euros, with the latter making a 1 million euro advance payment. Now, John Texter's name has come up. John Texter, for those of you that don't know, is the founder of the streaming platform here in the United States, Fubo TV, a streaming platform I have been a subscriber to for almost a decade now, a very happy subscriber. One of the best customer service experiences I have had is these 10 years with Fubo TV. And um, he's getting some bad rap from people. And I think that, that um, I think that's kind of undeserved. 
uh, I think what's best for the club in that first, this mess needs to be cleaned up with the presidency and new elections need to take place. Okay. Um, so that we have a proper elected president put in place and a proper board with him or a slate, if you will. Um, once that is in place, I do think it is in the club's best interest to listen to Mr. Texter. This is not a popular opinion with a lot of the Benfica fans in Portugal, much more uh, popular with those of us abroad, uh, many of the fans in Portugal. Notable ones, podcasters, uh, you know, people with platforms, large followings, uh, very against this, uh, stating that Benfica are a democracy and not a business, but... Um, Yes, that's true, but the SAD is not a democracy. The SAD, the Sociedad Autonoma Desportiva, is a limited sports company. And he, he is interested in investing in the limited sports company, not in the club. He's not trying to buy the club. This is a giant misunderstanding, in my opinion, that I think a lot of people, especially on that side of the Atlantic, don't fully understand. This is not, he's not beginning a hostile takeover. That's not even possible in this case. Okay, he can't even own more than 49% of the SAD per the statutes. And the club, it's it's in the statutes. The club must always m remain the majority stakeholder in the SAD. But that influx of cash could really do us some good in in building this football team and getting us out of these doldrums we have been in now for two seasons and getting us back to where we belong at the top of Portuguese football at the very least, and back where we belong as one of the the respected teams in the UEFA Champions League, fighting for places in the knockout stages, not just packing it in and being happy to go into the Europa League. Uh, we need a much deeper, much better roster to do that. And an investment of a wealthy businessman is not the worst thing. But again, there's a lot of people that just see wealthy businessmen, and that just drives hate from these people. Um, it's an investment. It's not a takeover. Okay, yes, there's going to be something for him on the other end. That's what makes it an investment. But this man has, has been in business with Benfica for a long time. Okay, uh, the reason this show exists today, and I'm going to be 100% brutally honest with you, the reason there is a Mr. Benfica today is in part due to John Textor and his Fubo TV platform. Because without Fubo TV, there is no Benfica TV or BTV in the United States of America. And there is no Mr. Benfica watching home matches, okay? Um, there is no Mr. Benfica following the club at the, at, you know, with the closeness and with the, the up-to-date um, capabilities that I have, if not... The ability to flip on BTV on my favorite streaming platform. And I'm not going to apologize for that. It is a phenomenal streaming platform. And I happily pay my bill every month. I do not steal any of any of the streams. I do not pirate any of Benfica's matches. And I'm very, very happy to pay Fubo TV every month for the quality of what... And for the, for the quality of the picture they provide the and... The quality of the stream. I've never had an issue with their stream. I've never had an issue in terms as a customer with Fubo TV, and I've always been very, very satisfied. Yes, the price has gone up, but they literally have every football um, league outside of the ESPN family of networks, um, and they, they even have ESPN now. But outside of ESPN Plus, I should say, uh, they have every football league available on their platform for the most part now. Um, 
certainly for me to start this business of of podcasting and starting the the PTB Media Network, it would have been impossible without Fubo TV. And um, I, you know, and Fubo TV is heavily financed. They have a big investor of their own in the name of Fox Media Group or Fox. Uh, you know the parent company of Fox, there, Rupert Murdoch, the the tycoon at the top of that. But there is a lot of money there, and if some of that can be pumped into Benfica, that is a good thing. I want to see us separated from our rivals. I don't want to see us fighting with Sporting. You know, I don't want to see us fighting over. You know, I don't want to see us taking players on loan because we can't afford to purchase them. I don't want to see us. You know, in financial peril, that this this uh, debacle and this embarrassment that was, you know, the 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 fall. I said it on this podcast. I said it on this podcast not long ago, maybe a year ago, that the day would come, and I alluded to Portuguese history when I said this this leader or this dictator would also fall from his chair. Those of you that know Portuguese history know what I mean by that. What that references to. And yes, Luis Felipe Vieira fell from his chair, and he he's not going into the into the Geronimus, Okay, he's not going into the Pantheon like the other guy did. And um, well, it, it was a disgraceful exit for one Luis Felipe Vieira. But this is another thing that he was in trouble for. And yes, does he listen? Again, this could have been a good deal, but he needs to be gone after, or it needs to be approached in the right way. He needs to, you know, or the club need to notify the Securities Market Commission. Everybody knows that every time we sign a player, every time we sell a player, the Securities Market Commission is is notified, and that's when we know it's official. And um, John Texter is not the problem here. It's the way that this potential transaction was handled in my opinion. Of course, I am an American, and yes, I am a capitalist, and I, I, I run a business. I work for two other businesses. I'm, I'm on the verge of, of launching another business for my wife, and yes, okay. So that there is that, and outside investment is a good thing. It is 2021. Do we want to compete or do we want to stay in the shambles we have been in? Of course, this is a democratic club, and it is up to the club members. And if the club members Vote that down, then so be it. But I think the man deserves the right to make a presentation to the board, make a presentation to the Sausage, and let it be decided by the members of the club and the, and by the board of the club. And and actually, this is about the SAD, so it, it really doesn't have as much to do with the members other than the fact that the membership is the majority stakeholder. Okay, This would be a partner and not a takeover, in my opinion. I don't see... And I don't understand the the vitriol that has been generated just from the mere the mere uh, idea of a private investor pumping some money into the club. I think the man should be heard out. Like I said, I'm not saying you have to accept what he's offering. I'm saying you should listen to what he's offering, and it should be seriously considered. That's all I'm saying. If the deal's not good, then don't accept it. That's fine. And I would support that if it's a bad if it's a bad offer if it's a bad deal if it anyway you know um, if it anyway puts the club at risk then then fine don't accept it but but at least hear it. In addition to that, Vieira and businessman Bruno Macedo 
are accused of embezzling 2.5 million euros from transfers of footballers Derlis Gonzalez, Claudio Correa, and Cesar Martins. And prize to anyone who remembers any of these names. But again, we've talked about it for years, these signings of, of players. You know, the the Salvador Agres, the Candido Costas, the, um, you know, uh, the John Dercadis, the Sunni Mukhtar. The, the players, a number of them now playing here in North America in Major League Soccer, no, no, no less. Um, we've talked about this. You know, these, these signings that make no sense and the sale of kids that make no sense, the, the offloading of young, promising talent to lower-level clubs in other countries, it's all about these commissions. And I think I think the $2.5 million in embezzling is just all that they've been able to prove. I, I would not be surprised, and I would bet everything I have that there is a lot more than that that's been embezzled. You look at all of these deals that make no sense, and um, they make perfect sense when you realize that money is being embezzled. Um, so there's that. And then it also goes on to say two days after the arrest, Vieto suspended his functions as president, despite the club statutes not allowing it. And he was temporarily then replaced by Vice President Rui Costa on the 10th of July. This is sad. On the 10th of July, on such an important date in Portuguese footballing history, on the anniversary, the 5th anniversary of Ether shocking the world, on the 5th anniversary of Portugal being crowned European champions, Vieta was put under house arrest and released on bail of 3 million euros to be paid within 20 days and ordered to hand over his passport. He released a statement two days later requesting supporters remain calm in defending the good reputation of the wonderful institution that is Befica. This guy is something else. Um, remain calm. Remain calm. The time for remaining calm ended okay uh go back to last to the beginning of of this podcast season of this season three uh go back to around october there go back to my election coverage i was calm then i'm not calm this is not the time to remain calm now i was disappointed he won but i said that hey you know here's where we go from here if you're a supporter of his you know it's time for you to to extend that olive branch to the opponents, if you're an opponent, it is time to do your due diligence. And, you know, the time to remain calm w- w- is long gone. And uh, Vieta's lawyer said he was considering a return as club president at that time. Finally, finally, and this I'm sure was forced, on... The 15th of July, Vieta resigned from the presidency of Benfica and from the presidency of its SAD. That's July the 15th. And as promised, Matamorush withdrew his lawsuit. That's where we stand right now with Luis Felipe Vieta. He is out. And with his resignation, Rui Costa becomes the interim president of Sport Lisboa Benfica. And I'm going to look at this right now. See what this... I believe that is his status, that he is the interim president still. Um, 
he is yes he is currently the interim president that that label will be there and he has said that he will have elections by the end of the calendar year it is very very important that he follows through on that uh, very very important most important thing that Hui Costa has done in his career is to see to it that the statutes are followed and that elections are held and if he wins then he wins okay uh, I know a lot of you are upset with him um, I've n- I've not been shy he, he as a player he was my idol growing up and it's hard for me to separate Hui Costa the footballer from Hui Costa the executive I know a lot of people, and rightfully so, are upset because he was so close to Vieta. You knew he had to know these things. Um, I also can sympathize, or empathize, I should say, um, given that uh, sometimes you are in life caught between a rock and a hard place, and we don't always make the correct decisions. Um, I... I'm going back and forth on whether or not I think he can actually win an election against João Noronha Lopes. Uh, Noronha Lopes is certainly very, very popular. But uh, what I'm seeing around the, the internet, he, so is Rui Costa. He's got, he's got a lot of support, to be honest with you. There is a lot of support for him out there as well. I think it would be a very, very close election. Um, obviously, you know my stance uh, and I made this stance after a lot of thought that this this program, this podcast, and I myself as a podcaster will not endorse any candidate for the presidency of this club, especially now as a socio. Um, I'm not going to use my opinion to influence someone's vote in an, in an official sense. I mean, I give my opinion each and every week. That's what I'm here to do. That's what you all tune in to hear. However, I will not make any official endorsement. I want the club supporters to do their own homework and to make the decision they believe is right. And in the end, I think the club and the supporters and members will have to accept the results of the election. The most important thing is that this election needs to have transparency. And we need to know that the person declared the winner is the actual winner. That's what I want. That is the win-win for the club. Whether it's Rui Costa, whether it's João Aronio Lopes, whether it's somebody else who's yet to declare. Um, of course, elections have not yet been booked or have not yet been scheduled. But those are the names that come to mind. Uh, Rui Gomes da Silva perhaps will throw his hat, his hat in the or his name in the hat one more time. Uh, but again, most important, even more important than who wins, is that the winner is the actual winner. That transparency is super important. If we have another another charade like we had in October, then um, you know the future of the club is in very very imminent danger. All right, so that will take us now to some uh, preseason. Okay, I'll I'll talk about. Uh, I'll talk about uh, the before we get to the preseason. Let's talk about transfers a little bit here. Um, the signings: Rodrigo Pinho is in on a free from Maritimo. Of course, news broke today of a of a very serious injury. However, 
uh, Abala has reported in the last couple of hours that the injury is less serious than expected. We had heard he was going to miss the entire season. Now we're hearing he may very well play against, he may very well be able to be used against Spartak on Wednesday. And Gilles Diaz came in from Monaco on a 1.5 million euro price tag, while Frenchman Soalijo Miete joins from Torino for 7 million. Okay, and then the bigger signings, if you will, um, the two big names that came in this season started off with a with João Mario. That's right, the former Sporting. And Inter Milan, West Ham, and Locomotive Moscow, Portugal international midfielder, João Mario. I never expected this um, up until it really happened. I was not expecting it. I uh, never imagined seeing this player in a Benfica uniform or in a Benfica kit. Uh, at first, I had no I had no interest in the player. And, um, you know, I didn't see what he was going to bring to the team. I see him as uh, a very... I saw him. I shouldn't say I see him. I saw him as a player very similar to Peasy, except without the goals and assists. However, as time's gone on, and as uh, I've obviously now gotten to see him play, and the more more thought and more reflection I gave to the the to the to the topic, uh, I started coming around to the idea of João Mario as a Benfica player, and. Um, uh, of course, some of that is motivated by the fact that uh, that I love that we kind of <laughs> snatched him out from under Sporting's nose a little bit. Uh, Sporting, of course, wanted to sign him. Couldn't afford the price tag that Inter Milan had set for him. Um, thought they were safe with this stupid, what should be really, what should not be legal. It should be illegal um, in terms of FIFA. And in terms of UEFA, they should not allow these stupid anti-rival clauses. They, that's just, um, it's just, it's, it is, it's impeding a player's freedom of where to go make earn a living. Okay, you, we have to remember these players are workers. Okay, and these no compete clauses or anti-rivalry clauses, anti-rival clauses. Uh, are anti-labor, to be honest with you. They are anti-labor, 100% anti-labor. Um, they, I have never heard uh, of, such a, of such a clause other than from Portuguese football. Okay, We see it in other leagues all the time. Players swap Monaco for PSG. Players swap Chelsea for Arsenal, City for United. Players swap, especially in Italy, Inter for Juventus all the time. Milan for, for Inter. You know, uh, Juventus for Romo, you you name it. Player swap. Clubs even sell players to each other in those leagues. We've seen players swap, you know, Atletico Madrid for Real Madrid and vice versa. Okay, we saw Luis Suarez last year go from Barcelona to Atletico Madrid. Okay, the, this is anti-competitive. This is anti... It's really anti-democratic and it's definitely anti-free labor. Um... These stupid clauses, and I'm glad that Benfica and Inter found a workaround. It's it's absolutely um, a case of justice being served, in my opinion. And um, of course, the he the the clause was that Inter cannot sell him to a rival. Inter did not sell him. Benfica pick him up on a free, as Jean Mario and Inter came to a a agreement 
on his release in you know a certain amount was paid in the buyout clause that released him of his his contract and his obligation to enter Milan and thus he signs as a free agent to Benfica well done uh Rui Pedro Braz our new uh sporting director he has done a very good job in this offseason in my opinion given what he was given to work with given the mess that has gone on around him and of course, the biggest signing came very, very recently. And this was a player I really, if you listened to my Euro 2020 podcast all summer, uh, I was big on this player when, when, when I watched him. It is Roman Yarmuchuk, the Ukrainian international, joins Benfica from Belgian side Ghent for 17 million euros. I like this signing a lot. I actually like most. I really like the Gildias signing. Also, I think Gildias in time is going to win out that left back position. Uh, he has everything there to be to be an excellent left back. He was a highly touted young player. He's got a he's got a lot of experience for his age, having played at at different clubs and having trained under different managers and having just seen so many different so many different. Uh, systems and so many different mentalities i'm excited for him i think it may take some time but i'm excited for uh what could come to be of him and i'm excited for his his uh eventual growth in this club uh, much like we saw with diogon salvage last season I'm um, talking, of course, about Gildias. Also, Miete, I don't know much about him. I've done some homework on him. What I'm what I'm getting from people that know and people that have followed his career, he's cut from a similar cloth as Renato Sanchez. Okay, he's cut from that cloth of, of being a very, very uh, hardworking, uh, you know, a player that covers a lot of kilometers on the pitch, a player who goes bo- can go box to box and can sit in the hole as a six. He can do both. And the best part about him is he's a player who worries less about where he's put on the pitch and who truly has told managers in the past and told press in the past that what matters is that he plays, whether it's as a six or as an eight, eight and a half. It doesn't matter. He wants to play. And um, I think that's a good thing. The the drawback on Miete is that he has not trained at all this season um, up to signing with Benfica. He didn't even train, you know, Aside by himself, he didn't even report to Torino this season as he wanted out that badly. So that can be viewed as a lack of professionalism. I know his fitness is not going to be where it needs to be. And I don't know how he's going to adapt to Jorge Jesus, to JJ, uh, especially having lost all this time and being a month behind now that he has started training. We'll see. Maybe he's a guy who, who we start to see later on who's going to start slowly but starts to interject in there but I'm excited about you know the possibility of a guy like him that can that can run a guy with power uh partnering in that midfield you know with in a double pivot with with Ulian Weigel and with with a nice ball handling midfielder like João Mario in front of him I think João Mario can still be very useful to us having watched him much closer in this preseason um he he is very very good at receiving the ball. If 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 nothing, if you watch him, and of course this is if I were still coaching, I would have young players watching, just how smooth João Mario's feet are, and just how well he receives the ball, and um, 
while he's not a hard-nosed player, okay, and that's something I thought we needed in that midfield, and I think that's something Miete is going to come to be in time if what I'm hearing about him is true. That is, that is, you know, what our midfield has lacked, and it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see what what happens going forward with that midfield. Do we play with three in the middle? Do we play a three-five-two and have you know wingbacks? Do do we play a three-four-three? I'm very interested to see where JJ is going to go this season. Of course, some players got back from into camp a little bit late, as you know. Nicolas Otamendi won Copa America this summer. He was there till the very end with Argentina, and also um, Jan Vertonghen got back a bit late. He, him in his Belgian side obviously progressed to the quarterfinals. Um, you know, we're getting these players and also uh Seferovic came in late. I'm not sure where he's going to where where he fits in this in this uh team this season. Players out though. Here's the guys that are out as of right now. Jardel as you know has left by mutual decision. Pedrinho leaves on an 18 million euro transfer to Shakhtar Donetsk. Franco Cervi, a guy I'm going to miss certainly. Uh he goes for 4 million to Celta Vigo. Caio Lucas, yeah, whatever. He's gone back to the Middle East on a definite transfer. Tiago Dantes gets a, a loan to Tondela. I actually like this for Tiago Dantes. Tiago Dantes needs to play. Tiago Dantes needs to be in a setup where he's got to play differently than he has played uh, up to this point in his career. Okay, one thing about Benfica players and and Spartan players also, I think, and Porto as well, as they come up, you know, through the system, as they come up through the youth youth ranks on such dominant teams um there's a lot of aspects of the game they don't develop because they never have to obviously i'm alluding more so to the physical side and the hard-nosed side the defensive side of the game and i think at tondela tiago Dantes, as long as he's playing is going to learn a lot about being a professional footballer going to learn a lot about you know having to commit professional fouls having to hold your lines having to cut off passing lanes having to have the vision and to know when to break quick. Okay, one thing that our players as they come through really lack is that ne- that ability to break quick. They want to always build up the play. They want to always play pretty. They want to build it up slowly with lots of passes. And there's there's matches and there's opponents if Benfica are going to be where they want to be playing against the type of opposition we want to play against at the highest level. Okay, Champions League I'm talking about. Okay, Clásicos against Porto and against Sporting. And, you know, lesser lesser big games against Braga and, with all due respect, Braga and Vitória Guimarães. Um, Benfica need to be able to play both sides of the ball. Their players need to be able to recognize situations. And for a young player like Thiago Dantes, who has spent so much time on the bench in these last two seasons as a professional, he absolutely needs to play each and every day. And hopefully at Tondela he will get that opportunity. Nuno Tavares, and to me a shock that that this type of money was thrown at him, but he is an unbelievably raw talent with so much upside still. I still believe that. I know everybody can't stand him, but I think that <laughs> he has so much upside. He's so young still. And uh, Nuno, Tav- Nuno Tavares goes to Arsenal in the Premier League for 8 million euros. 
Good bit of business for Benfica on that one. Nuno Santos, no, not that one. The other one, he he goes on loan to Pastor Ferreira. Kravinovic is out. He goes to Hajduk Split for $1.5 million, somewhat uh, betraying his club that he came up through, the club, of course, uh, Dinamo Zagreb, as he goes to their arch rivals. But he needed to find out a situation. He needs to play as well. And I think this is good business for Benfica. And I'm not going to really get into him. I think he was set up, uh, to be honest with you, that the whole thing about his commentary against Georges Zouge, I think that was a setup to to deter and, and defer uh, attention away from the Luis Fieda situation that was unraveling at that time. Also, Alfa Semedo goes for $1.5 million to Vitoria Guimarães. And we know now, as of today, it's reported that um, my cousin Vinny, Carlos Vinicius, is also out. He is gone to Eintracht Frankfurt in the German Bundesliga. And I still think that we may, we're may we going to have another exit, whether it be, uh, whether it be Seferovic, whether it be... Gonzalo Ramos. I hope it is not Gonzalo Ramos. I want to see Gonzalo Ramos in this team. Um, I think it's time to capitalize and cash in on Harris Seferovic. He had a good Euro, and it's time to to get something for him, or that train is going to leave the station, and we're going to have a situation where we can't offload him. Um, but overall, uh, I'm more optimistic now about this team than I was, say, two, three weeks ago. And it's funny because two, three weeks ago I spoke with my cousin in Portugal and uh, we had a good conversation about Benfica and uh, he was seeing it the way I was. He didn't see the, at that time, the João Mario signing as necessary. Perhaps it wasn't necessary. Uh, but like I said, I'm coming around to that to that choice. And I'm excited. And I think I like the idea of seeing him play in a midfield that includes, um, again, Weigel and Miete. Uh, going forward, Gabriel is all. We're looking for a club for Gabriel at this time. Um, it's not really any any suitors. He really wants to stay in Europe, but it it does look like he may be on his way back to Brazil if he wants to play football. Uh, we played a couple of matches here. Okay, we had practice matches or training matches that were not televised. Okay, in those training matches, we had a one nil defeat to our own B team. On basically the first day, I'm not going to put too much emphasis on that. We won 2-0 against Sporting Covilhã. Won 3-2 against uh, Farens and drew 0-0 with Bissad. And then in official friendlies uh, m- matches, Benfica, we we beat Casapia 2-1 at the Seychelles. Beat Almeria 2-1 at the Seychelles. We beat Lille at the Stade du Algarve one nil, um, which was a good, which was a good result for us, given that Lille just won the French Super Cup this past weekend. They beat none other than PSG to win that Super Cup, and right now they're still the king of France. And uh, I think that's a, a nice result there for Benfica. And then in the final friendly, a one one draw with uh, Jorge Sampioles. Uh, Olympic Marseille and uh, a match that I thought Befica were not bad in but would have liked to seen them see out and perhaps uh, hold that that level higher you know hold that higher level for a little bit longer but there was some good pressing and it looked a little bit more like a Georges Jesus team to me than, than we were getting to see last season but my big concern is there's been a lot of time between that match and you know 
by the time you hear this, tonight's match with Spartak Moscow. And that's going to be, you know, to, to summarize this preseason, I thought that there were just, um, uh, I thought, I'm reading my notes now. There's too many forwards in the team. That's what that's what that word is there, forwards. I still think we have too many forwards. Um, and we just signed another one after I wrote these notes. Uh, and there's still no depth at outside back, um, at either outside back. We use Gilberto all preseason as the right back, and that's never a good sign with all due respect to that player. That can never be his role in this team. We're not going to be successful if that is his role. Um, the left side of our of our team is still leaking goals. Okay, they're still coming from there. I am so frustrated watching Grimaldo, and um, I don't know why. I I want to see him sold because I cannot stand to see us continue to leak goals. And yes, he 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 gives us something going forward, but for the goals he gives us going forward, you know, he gets his side. Is just a absolute freeway. It's a motorway that allows the other team in. And again, against Marseille, it was from the left side that we, we conceded. And, you know, you've already got Vertonghen playing over there. And there's no pace. And then on top of that, you have Rafa, who has played on the wing there. If it's not Rafa, it will be, it will be Everton. There is absolutely no defensive quality on the left side of the pitch for us. This I don't understand why this hole has not been addressed. And um, again, I'm hoping that Gilles Diaz will develop into that player because I really am just just tired of seeing goals come from that side and seeing the club just just continue to go with the same guys and just continue to accept that and to try to outscore the opposition. I think that's foolish. And that's only going to take you so far. It may it may be good enough against a lot of the teams in our league. But if Benfica are to reach the objectives and the ambitions that we all have for them, they have to be better than that. Um, I also felt watching this preseason, my biggest concern is I didn't see any building of a squad in these matches. It was just random uh, lineups. And then it was entirely different lineups in the next one. And mass substitutions, I, I don't know what our 11 is right now. I mean, I can make a guess, but I don't I haven't seen a change and a growth into what is going to become our best 11. And I don't want to see another season where we spend all season experimenting and trying and experimenting and then hypothesizing and experimenting again and I don't want to see us be at March before we know what our best what our best team is because last season it took until Lucas Verissimo came in and it took for us to switch to a 3-4-3-3-5-2 before we started to see what our best team was. It's my biggest concern. I'm hoping I'm wrong about this. I'm hoping tomorrow that we will see um, a much more cohesive uh, Benfica side. I'm hoping that we are going to see a tighter Benfica side, especially on the left side of the pitch. And um, I, I'm worried about Victor Moses there tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and I'm worried about, you know, the talent that, that Spartak have. But, um, yeah, it, I'm hoping that we're going to see this team further along than they were 10 days ago or a week ago when they played against Marseille. And that is the segue to tomorrow's match or tonight's match, depending when you're listening to this. At the the Spartak Stadium in Moscow, 
And um, with that, I'm going to take a short break. And on the other side, I'll give you a quick preview of this match and give you my thoughts. And um, from there, we'll take it home and call it a season uh, for the podcast. Season 3 concludes right after this. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Benfica Mr. And follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinu. That's at M-I-K-E. A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Also, you can find the Facebook page on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And uh, as always, at www.mrbenfica.com. We'll be right back. Final segment of Season 3 of Mr. Benfica, previewing the Champions League qualifying, third qualifying round, first leg being played on the 4th of August 2021, uh, today for most of you, and or today for some of you, I should say, many of you probably uh, will hear this after the match, but here it goes anyways, um, we're, we're traveling of course to the... I'm calling it the Spartak Stadium. It has another name, and I can't pronounce it because I can't pronounce anything in Russian, to be honest with you. But uh, Spartak Moscow, currently ninth in their domestic league. Of course, they've played two matches thus far in their domestic league. They are managed by none other than Rui Vitoria, our former manager. And already today, both were already asked about this rivalry between these two managers, and both of them also obviously downplayed any any rivalry. And George Zouge, to be exact, said in his pregame presser that this is a matchup between two teams and not two managers. And he said, furthermore, um, he wants that that staff to do well. Uh, because it's a staff of Portuguese coaches and a Portuguese manager. And outside of these two legs against Benfica, he hopes that they are very, very successful. And Rui Vitoria also said that he's not going to talk to Jorge Jesus. And it's it's just a this is a business uh, meeting tomorrow and not and not some kind of family reunion, so to speak. So um, Spartak have, as I said, played two official matches this season. 1-1, lost one. They lost their opener um, 
in the Russian Premier League. Uh, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Russian. In the Russian Super League, excuse me. No, the Russian Premier League, I had it right the first time. They lost on the road at Ruben Kazan in the opener, 1-0, and won the second one. They won the follow-up match also on the road at Kirila Sovietov, and the goal scorer this past weekend was Alexander Sobolev off the from the penalty spot, I should say. Uh, so... It's worth noting that Spartak are yet to score from open play this season. Uh, they're a club that's also has in the past or in the past couple of weeks been rumored to be interested in Gabriel, but um, now that seems to be off the table. And let's take a look at Spartak's lineup in their last match. Um, of course, as we said, one nil winners, and this match was last Friday, July the thirtieth. As they lined up with the goalkeeper Alexander Maximenko. They play a 4 2 3 1. Interesting to see how George Zuz comes out to face this team. Uh, their four across the back Nikolai Razakov uh, is the right back. Samuel Gigo and Georgi Zikia are the center backs with Ayrton Lucas, the Brazilian left back ex Fluminense. And former uh, Brazil U23 international was dropped uh, just before these current Olympic Games. He's the left back there. Um, 24 years old is Ayrton Lucas. Double pivot in midfield in front of that back four. Robin Zobninin uh, partners with Neil Umayarov as the double pivot in front of them. You have Bakayev, uh, Mikhail Ignatov, and the name I said, Victor Moses, uh, playing. And actually, Victor Moses will be the will be the concern of the right side for Benfica, which is, I think, a good thing for us. Um, fans of the Premier League, obviously, will remember Victor Moses playing for Chelsea and before that for Liverpool and also for West Ham. He's also a longtime Nigeria international and Alexander Sobolev is this was the striker, I should say. Uh, no guarantee that this is the lineup Hui Vitaria puts out in, uh, on the pitch tomorrow. But if he does go out with the four-two-three-one, I think that Benfica's Benfica's best. Um, again, I, the fitness levels are all over the place right now. I'm assuming that all three center backs are are prepared and are fit to play if that's the case i think you go with the three the three five two or the three four three uh that hybrid of that is kind of in between them and um again the only danger with that is the left side and it is grimaldo and he he needs to remember to defend i think on the right side if if gilberto gets the start against against this team in place of Diogo Gonçalves. I think we could be in trouble there as well. As I said, Victor Moses is on that side. Um, I want to see a strong, a strong midfield. Um, I, I'm assuming we're going to see William Weigel. We're going to see João Mario. We're going to see uh, PZ probably play quite a bit as well. He may drop into the midfield, and we, we've also got. We've also got uh, Rafa who can help in midfield. It's going to be interesting to see what Benfica do 
in this match. Again, it's been a while since Benfica have played. Their last friendly was a while back. Uh, Benfica's last friendly, of course, Sunday, July the 25th, over a week ago. Um, and, you know, I'm having a, I am struggling to see where Jorge Jesus is going to do because, again, I don't feel that, at least in front of our eyes, maybe behind the scenes this was done, but in front of our eyes, I didn't see the team start, you know, with that large group of players and then build up to finding that, that, first 11 on the final day of the preseason which is what you always hope to see in that final uh that final training match because of course players are still returning Everton I don't know that he played all preseason I'm not sure he even played uh he also was in the final of the Copa America just like Nicolas Otamendi and um again players coming players going very very uh very I'm very unsure of what George Jesus is going to put out there, but at this point and at this point in the season, you can do nothing but put your faith in the manager, regardless of how you feel about him, because he is the only one that knows. He's the only one that's seen him. Um, and I, I am. I'm really struggling to to predict whether Benfica are going to play a three four three, a four three three, a four four two, or a three five two. I really don't know where George Jesus is going with this. Um, I'm assuming his scouting department has Spartak much better uh, studied than I do. So I'm I'm just putting my faith in, in him for this. And I think the important thing from the coaching staff is that, remember, there are no away goals this season in Europe. There is also no VAR in this in this round, which I think is a disgrace. But um, when you've got VAR in friendlies and you've got VAR in just about every competition now, that in the Champions League, the granddaddy of them all, the biggest competition on planet Earth as far as club football is concerned, that there's no VAR in these matches that are crucial, that are worth millions upon millions to these teams. They're going to risk a referee getting it wrong. Befica need to get a result here. There's no question. Um, a win is, is, is preferable, but a draw at the very least is necessary. However... The good news, I suppose, is that you don't have to go get a goal. You can draw nil-nil now. There's no such thing as away goals anymore. Um, but Benfica cannot. I don't think they want to bring a deficit. They certainly don't want to. I don't think they can afford to bring a deficit back to the Stade de Luge. We don't. We still don't know if the Stade de Luge will have people in it for the second leg. Um, we've heard that there will be people in the stands, but we don't know how much. We don't know to what capacity. Uh, once the season starts, but we don't know how that's going to apply to the Champions League preliminary round either. So I think Benfica really have a tough business trip ahead of themselves in Russia. We have a poor record in Russia, very poor. Uh, we have to overcome that, okay? Uh, there's no no other option. Um, and I'm not going to be critical of the lineup here because we're in a stage of the season where I haven't had a chance to really know what the best 11 is. The only one that can possibly know right now is J.J., and agree or disagree, really, none of us are in a position to to take a stance right now because we have not seen enough of this this team, in my opinion. So I'm just hopeful that uh, he gets it right, and I'm hopeful that Benfica come away with the victory here and bring it back to the Stade de Luge with uh, a little bit of rope to to play with. And I think that if they bring an advantage back to the Stade de Luge, I think that they will see this one out and get ready to face presumably PSV in the next round and um have you know the UEFA Champions League in sight
So that that's what I'm thinking. Um, again, I don't even know who he's going to go with with the, the strikers. Yarmachek, I don't believe, is on the roster for this one. I don't think he was registered in time to play in this round. So uh, another opportunity for Gonzalo Ramos, most likely. If maybe he'll partner with uh, with Harris Seferovic in this one. Um, again, if Benfica don't advance, players will have to be sold. And the team will be considerably weaker. So they have to advance. And, um, of course, they have to advance through both of these rounds. But you can't get through the next one if you don't get through this one. So I'm hoping Benfica will keep their cool about it. Again, they have the players that can control the tempo of the match. That can have Benfica. I normally don't value possession much. But in a, in a tie like this, um, it's important for Benfica to have the ball, I think. Because I think they'll be in less danger when they have the ball. They cannot lose it, though. They have to take very good care of it. They can't get caught on the counter. Russian teams always counter well. And again, I'm um, petrified of our left side. I have been for two years now, two seasons. And nothing has been shown to me in this preseason to think otherwise. So I'm hoping to see that improvement tomorrow. But it is a 1 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. 6 p.m. in Portugal, and I believe it's an 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. kickoff in Moscow. Um, check your local listings. The, this These rounds are very, very hard to find. Um, they're not always covered by the same network that covers the Premier League. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this is on BTV. Last year, this match, you know, this round was on BTV uh, in Greece. The good news, again, is that there are two legs and not one. Um, I still will believe and will believe that, will always believe, I should say, that last year, had there been a second leg in that tie come back to Lisbon, that Benfica would have have found the result to advance at least into the next round of the Champions League qualification. So uh, with two rounds, I do expect Benfica to get through. But again, I am very nervous facing Rui Vitoria. He knows our team well. he doesn't get into JJ's mind games. I don't think JJ is even going to try it. And there is the history there, and there's going to be that extra motivation. But hopefully, in the end, it is Mefica that will see out the result tomorrow and finish it out next week and carry us to the next round in this uh, in this qualification process. That, my friends, is going to do it for this episode 116 for this season two season three excuse me of mr befica um i know i had promised a review episode of the women's football team your champion your league of bpi champion befica women's team i had said that two months ago the last time i had recorded a show it did not happen the age i just couldn't get the time to make it happen before the euro started and um again my um, right now my work schedule is insane it's through the roof i'm working as much as i ever have um it just there just is no rest for the weary i am sitting here at 10 21 p.m on a on a tuesday night recording this i need to be awake in four hours to go to work and um as you know i have two jobs so it there doesn't leave much time but but i will I will circle back to that Benfica Sporting, or that Sporting Benfica Liga BPI final match day, uh, in which our ladies so pr- so valiantly uh, made us all so proud, crushing Sporting in their own stadium and winning the trophy. Okay, I will review that and I will preview 
or do my best to preview, I should say, uh, Benfica women's team, Benfica women's uh, UEFA Champions League or UEFA Women's Champions League qualifying round. They uh, will play on August the 18th in Bosnia. They left for they left this week for their training camp in Switzerland, and they're preparing as we speak. So some point between now and that Champions League qualifier for the women, I will have a women's episode or a women's football episode, I should say. Congratulations are also in order to the women's hockey team winning the double. They won the league title beating Sporting in the finals and then winning the the Portuguese Cup a week later in what was Rui Costa's first function as interim uh, president. I didn't get the time really to get into my views on him so much. Um, all I said is that, you know, he's a football idol of mine, and it's hard to separate the Rui Costa, the player I grew up watching, and Rui Costa, the executive today. But, again, there's going to be plenty of time for that as the season goes on. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and um, it's great to be back talking Benfica again, and I look forward to doing it some more. So right now the plan is to go live on Friday night, um, which would be that's going to be let's see Friday April the uh, April Friday August the sixth I believe it'll be an eight p.m. Eastern time here in the United States so one a.m. Portuguese time I'll be going live on the normal platforms it'll be the premiere of season four um, that's the plan right now at least and I'm um, I'm expecting to do a lot more video episodes in season four um, as I think I found the groove to do that and. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this season now. I haven't been all summer, but now that we're here, I am ready to go, and I'm looking forward to it. So, Carrega Benfica, Forza Benfica. It is time for the Reconquista once again, and it's time to do this Pelo Benfica, because we are Benfica. Damu 38. I'll see you next time here on Mr. Benfica. I'll see you next season, I guess you could say. Next season starts in a matter of hours, but I will see you next season. And this has been Mr. Benfica here on the BTB Media Network. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Don't forget www.mrbenfica.com. And I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.